This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Yeah, so I am so glad I chose not to do the entire chapter of chapter 3. And instead, uh, I've got time for the first 12 verses this morning. So um, our goal is to get halfway through this morning. And um, guys, I'm excited. And um, let's just pray real quick before we get into the Word. Lord, I just thank you so much for your Word. Lord, I thank you for the word that you have given me. Lord, I pray that each one of us, whether we're here in person or we're watching online, Lord, that we'll just position ourselves to hear exactly what you would have us hear and that you would show us how to apply that to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, guys, so chapter three, I am so excited. Um, Kind of my key word for the day is mystery. Can everybody say mystery? All right, thank you. And so before we actually read the beginning of chapter three, I want to remind you of a couple things. Pastor Rob's talked on about this. Chapter one of Ephesians talks about how God made the plan of redemption. Chapter two talked about Jesus Christ executing that plan. And then today, chapter three, we are going to talk about how the Holy Spirit reveals this plan to mankind. And so I actually have a few points. And so the first point that I have this morning, I'm actually calling the intro to the revelation of the mystery. Say mystery. Okay, so mystery. I want you leaving today knowing what this mystery is. And so let's read Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. You guys can follow along with me. It says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets." One sentence, breathe. (laughs) So I thought it would be great to break this down verse by verse. And so verse one right here, he actually says, for this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. All right? So I find it interesting. He says, Paul, the prisoner of of Christ Jesus. Um, Now, who was he imprisoned by? This is interactive. You guys can talk to me. The Romans, right? So he was actually a Roman imprisonment, and Paul was in house arrest. And so what that meant was that every day he was free to move around his house, but he had supervision of the government, of the soldiers there. And then every night he would actually be chained to a soldier to make sure that he did not escape before his trial before Caesar. So I find it interesting that here Paul is, he's in a Roman prison But he doesn't call himself a prisoner of Nero. He doesn't call himself a prisoner of Caesar. But he saw himself as a prisoner of who? Christ Jesus. Right? So I love that. You know, he he knew that Jesus was the Lord of his life, not the Roman government. And so if he was a prisoner... He was going to be Jesus' prisoner. Like, I am doing this for the Lord, right? So right here in verse 1, he says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, and then he says, For you Gentiles. So let's talk about the Gentiles for a moment. You know, the entire reason that he is sitting in prison right now, these are in these constraints, he's under arrest, awaiting trial. Why? Because Because of his missionary efforts, because of his preaching, because of his teaching on behalf of the Gentiles. So he's in prison because of what he has been teaching 
the Gentiles, the unbelievers, those that are not Jewish, God's plan for their life. So who are the, who are the Gentiles? Anybody that's non-Jew, right? There's many different references to them. So here he is, and even though he is in prison, I love this, the Lord is using him to bring this book, the book of Ephesians, to the believers in Ephesus. You know, I, I have this state in my notes. I said the apostle Paul may have been bound, but how many of you guys know that the gospel is never bound? Right? And we know that because in 1 Peter, verse 23, it says, For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. And so we know that the word of God lives and abides how long? Forever. Forever. So that's verse 1. You know, here he is. Here I am. What does he say? A prisoner to Jesus, of Jesus. For the Gentiles. And then verse 2, he says, If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. Now, who in here knows what a dispensation is? Yeah, a handful, not very many. So if you're like me, when I see this word, I'm like, what does that mean? And so I go to a bunch of different translations, and I kind of look up other words. So I want us to actually talk about this word dispensation for a little bit, because it's really applicable to the remainder of what we're going to talk about today. So the Greek word is actually okonomia, which means a landlord or one who watches over a house. So from a divine standpoint, a dispensation is an arrangement or an administration. But from a human standpoint, it is a stewardship, a trust, or a commission. So what we see here is that Paul has been given a special stewardship trust or commission to take the gospel of the grace to the Gentiles. Now, I want to talk a little bit more about dispensation. The Bible is actually divided into seven dispensations. What does seven represent in the Bible? The number of what? Completion, right? The number of completion. And so in the Old Testament, there's actually um, five dispensations. But before I read that, let's read Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. It said, long ago, God spoke many, and I actually put in here, different times in many different ways to the ancestors, talking about from the Old Testament, through the prophet. And so we see that even right here in Hebrews, it says that God spoke many different ways in different time periods to the people. So the time periods, the five dispensations, he spoke differently from Adam to the cross where Jesus was. Now, let me kind of give you an example that maybe we can understand. So at the beginning of this year, 2001, in our country, we had a new administration come into office, correct? Everybody know? Okay, so in case you're not following, we got a new president, right? So we had a new administration that came. Generally, when one president is elected, he comes in, with a new administration, right? He brings in new people to come in and to support him. A lot of times the previous administration is dismissed and they have other responsibilities. Now, God works in a similar way from one administration to another administration, from one dispensation to another dispensation. Many things change, yet a lot of things remain the same. Are you guys following? Okay. So how God speaks to man changes from dispensation to dispensation, but how we or how man approaches God never changes, all right? How we approach God never changes. You know, God may approach man directly, 
like he did Adam and Eve walking with him in the garden. He may teach by using angels or he may have prophets. But here's the kicker. During each time frame, man, you and I, always approached God through what? Faith. Say faith. All right? When you look at Hebrews chapter 11, many of you guys know that that is referenced as maybe the God's Hall of Fame. So he has a list of all these people in the Bible that accomplished and did great things. And we see that faith is the common thread running throughout each one of those people listed. Um, every single one of them are mentioned in one of these dispensations of the Old Testament, from Abel to the judges to the prophets. And so in Hebrews eleven six, it says, and it is impossible to please God without what? Faith. Okay, so what we're talking about these dispensations, I've got a chart for you. You guys look at this for a moment. And uh, I want to look at, can you guys see that all right? Mainly if you can just see the numbers and the word in blue, we're good. Um, so the five Old Testament dispensations. The first one um, is called innocence, and it goes until the fall. So this was the time of Adam and Eve. The second one is called the conscience, which ended at the flood in Noah's time. The third one is human government, which ended at the Tower of Babel. The fourth one began with Abraham, and it is called promise. And this lasted up until Egyptian captivity when God raised up a deliverer whose name was what? Moses. Man, you guys are smart. All right. And then this began the fifth or the final of the Old Testament dispensations, which is called law. So let's think for a moment. Each dispensation began with God's grace and ended with man's failure. All right? Is everybody following? So we got the five. So let's get to number six here. After the crucifixion of Jesus, the door opened for a new dispensation to be ushered in, which Paul calls in our passage the dispensation of the grace of God. So we call this um, dispensation, some people call it the, you know, say grace, some call it the church age, um, but pretty much what that is, is this dispensation, the church age, began on the day of Pentecost, and most say that it will end at the rapture of the church, all right? And then number seven, we'll reference it again in a moment, is actually, here it says the kingdom age, some have called the millennial reign, um, where there'll be a thousand years um, with the church here. So during, you can take that off. So during our dispensation, God approaches us, you and I, in a new, unique way. But the way that we approach God is still the same as Adam, Abraham, Moses, David, or any of the apostles approached him. How do we approach him? By what? Faith, right? We approach him by faith. In Hebrews 1, verse 2, it says, And now in these final days, talking about the church age, he has spoken to us, talking about the church, through his son. And like I said, the final dispensation will be the millennial reign of Jesus. So, Paul was given this dispensation of grace to God to give us. This new way that God was going to communicate with us. Does that excite anybody? I mean, when I think that last one being the law and all these rules, ugh. okay, so there's this new way that God wants to communicate with me. What, for, for us, what does this look like? 
We're almost there. So let's look at verse three and four. It says, how that by revelation, he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So I find it interesting here. So he's like, okay, he says, um, how that by revelation. So this is kind of how I read this. Paul was like, okay, guys, I want you to know that I am not making this up. This isn't something, this isn't bad pizza that I ate last night. This isn't something that I just thought of. This isn't my invention, but God gave me a revelation and I am his messenger of this truth and this revelation. Now, this is interesting. This isn't the first time that Paul actually made mention or talked about this revelation that he received in the Lord, from the Lord. He actually, um, it's in Galatians. Let's read this. Galatians 1, verse 11 and 12. He said, Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message that I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. So we know that this revelation that he's about to talk about came from the Lord, right? Um, and then right here it said, made known to me the mystery. So what in the world is this mystery? What is the, he made known this mystery. What is this mystery? This mystery, this work in the Greek actually comes from mysterion. And it refers to the teachings from ancient fraternities known only to its members. Now, did you guys know that in the ancient world there were actually things, that, um, organizations that we could call fraternities? It's not a new concept. One of those is actually found in Matthew chapter 2, known as the Magi, Magi, depending on how you say it, or also known as the wise men, right? Okay, so that's kind of an example there. And so what do we know about these wise men? Um, they were a fraternity of men that traveled in the areas of ancient Chaldea and Mesotomia. I think I botched that. Um, but their existence was well documented, but guess what wasn't well documented? Their beliefs and what they taught. It was a secret organization whose creeds were called a mystery. They were unknown. And so to know or to understand the teaching, you had to become a member of that fraternity or that organization. Like I said a while ago, how many of you guys know that there are fraternities or similar groups that exist today, right? One of those maybe some of you guys have known about um, the Masons, right? That's a fraternity, a group where, you know, you have to become a member and then you get taught what they believe and their rules and some of those things. How do you guys know that a lot of uh, fraternities or things are actually come from the occult? <laughs> a lot of them do. So if you are ever considering something, research where it comes from before you just jump in to a mystery, okay? Get your facts together and know what's going on. Um, okay, so we're talking about mystery. So the word mystery is used throughout the New Testament as well. And Jesus first used it with his disciples. In Matthew chapter 11, actually chapter 13, verse 11, he replied, You are permitted to understand the secret, that's also mystery, of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. And then in Mark 4, 10 and 11, he says, Later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. And so with these, Jesus was introducing to them that church age, this um, new dispensation that we're talking about. 
So what is the significance of this word in the New Testament? How many of you guys know that the prophets and saints in the Old Testament did not know of this church age, right? They did not know of it. Their concept of dispensation was Jesus was going to come, the millennial, millennial reign was going to happen, and they were just going to be with the Father like immediately, right? He, he's coming, we're going. That's why they were always looking like, is he back yet? Is he back yet? Is he back yet? They didn't understand that there was going to be 2,000 plus years because we're still here going, is he coming back yet? Is he coming back yet? Is he coming back yet? Right? And so, okay, there's a plan there, okay? So um, this is why I said the disciples were continually trying to figure out what was going on. The church was a mystery. It was unknown to the outside looking in, but it was known to the members of the great fraternity known as the church. You guys following there? And so let me ask you this. To be a part of the church... You have to become a member, right? So how do we, if we have not accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, become a member, a part of the body of Christ? Hopefully, most of us know Romans 10, 9, and 10, right? And here's what it says. It says, if you declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So guys, basically, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. You're now part of that plan. You are in that church age. You are, have the ability to get the revelation of everything that had God has in plan for us. Are you following? Yes. Awesome. Okay, let's look at verse 5 right here. Right here, verse 5. It says, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. So once again, in other generations, this, this plan, this idea was not known. But we do know that it has been revealed. God has given us this revelation through the New Testament. He gave it here to Paul, right? We also know that he gave it to Peter, um, by revelation in Acts. Um, it's consistent with um, prophecy of the Old Testament, and then Jesus himself spoke of it, all right? So it's not just one man, but the Lord also confirmed it through several other people as well, all right? So number one, what do we talk about? We kind of talked about the revelation of this mystery. So number two, let's, I have here the mystery described. Say mystery. So what is this mystery? We keep talking about this mystery, this new revelation. Let's read Ephesians 3, verse 6 and 7. It says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I have become a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. All right, so this describes the mystery right here. That believing Jews and believing Gentiles are joined together as what? One body into one church and that they are no, lever, later, no longer separated as such. One. This revelation included the fact that Gentiles can become born again and enjoy the blessings of the covenant. Guys, this was big. This was huge. Think about it. Huge revelation, huge understanding. Un yeah, revelation. So our dispensation, grace, the church age. This is our dispensation. So 
I wanted to hit six things here, and I'm not going to go into length on those. So he just made this known. Jew and Gentile get to be one, one with Christ, one body. So for the first time, what does that mean for a believer? Number one, the individual priesthood of each believer. You guys know in the old covenant that only certain men were anointed to be priests, right? Not everybody was anointed. There were certain people for that time. 1 Peter 2, 9, it says, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful or marvelous light, depending on how you learned it. Number two, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Guys, this is for every believer, Old Testament, a few people were filled with the Spirit in the Old Testament, right? Um, But it wasn't manifest in the Old Testament with speaking in tongues. What we would often see is the Holy Spirit would come on them, empower them, but it wasn't for every single person. New Testament, guys, he's with us. We can all be filled with that Holy Spirit. Number three is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. When we believe on the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes He recreates our spirit and he makes his home, he makes it his new home. We are, he is within us. The Bible declares that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? That did not exist in the Old Testament. Number four, the church. The church did not begin until the day of Pentecost. Guys, the church is a good thing. Jesus prophesied in Matthew 16, 18, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. The church age began on the day of Pentecost and will end at the rapture. Number five, the body of Christ, which is also known as the church. Um, Not only are we members of his church universal, we are members of his body as individuals. The church eventually will become the bride of Christ when we are in heaven and have gone through that judgment seat of Christ. And then number six, I want to hit right here, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. How many of you are thankful for that? I love this. There were supernatural manifestations all throughout the Old Testament, but they were not for every believer. We often see in the Old Testament that there were three offices that were anointed by the Holy Spirit, were prophet, priest, and king. And then occasionally there were believers that were anointed as well for specific things. But today, since every believer has the Holy Spirit, then every believer is told to desire spiritual gifts. I love this. In 1 Corinthians 12, 31, it says, So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts, but not let me show you a way of life that is best of all. So we should desire these gifts in our lives every single day. So those are just a couple of the things that came with this new mystery that we're talking about, right? This, this revelation, this understanding. And so the mystery also was the deficiency that needed to be fulfilled in the word of God. And so, guys, Paul actually had a responsibility to not only hear from the Lord, but then to also write that out to put it in our hands. That's kind of a big 
big deal. <laughs> I don't know, that's a little heavy. I'm glad I was not, am not thank, I'm glad the Lord didn't put it upon me to write a good portion of the New Testament to present for people in the future to come. But that, that's part of what it was here, is that Paul um, completed this deficiency. In Colossians 1, um, 24 and 25, he says, I am glad that when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. So this is for the church. Paul was made a minister. Um, it was up to Paul to fulfill or complete the deficiency of the word. And then he continues right here in verse 26 and 27. He said, this message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. And guys, we know that Paul wrote the greater part of the New Testament. Yeah? So, number one, this revelation of the mystery. Number two, we just talked about what the mystery was. And so then now we're going to talk about Paul's presentation of the mystery. Everybody say mystery. All right. Let's read verse 8 and 9. It says, To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. So the first word I kind of look at right here is actually the word grace. And when we look at this word here, grace, it's mentioned many times in this passage that we've been reading. And it actually is a reference to the office of the apostle in which Paul um, stood in, that Paul was doing. And he's actually kind of setting us up for an introduction of chapter 4 that's coming, where he begins to talk about spiritual offices and different graces. Um, but we see here that also that each one of these offices will also be called a grace. And so we're going to hit a little bit now, but we'll learn later. We know this because in Ephesians 4, 7, it says, However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. And so they are called a grace because they are given by and energized by the effectual working of his power. And so God is the giver and the sustainer of each and every gift. Now, something else I find interesting in this passage is Paul also says, I am the least deserving of all the saints. I mean, just think about yourself as Paul in that moment. Do you think that would be words that you would say about yourself? <laughs> it's not a trick question. I'm just being real. I, don't, I mean, I would probably think, well, I might be a little deserving. I've suffered some, right? Like, man, I like, I've gone through a lot and, you know, I've done all these things and maybe within my flesh, I might feel that I'm a little more deserving, but we don't see that here in what Paul says, does he? I mean, he says, basically, I'm the least deserving of all the believers. I'm the least, I'm the little, I'm the nothing. And I really believe that this goes back to the opening verse where he gives his name in his office. Now, who remembers what the name Paul means? Small, right. So the name Paul means small, but his office is actually one of highest rank. And so I think that the two go together really well because he realizes that in the natural, he's really nobody. 
But in the spiritual, with the grace that God has given him, he's a somebody. He has purpose that the Lord has called him to accomplish. And so Paul is saying that in the natural, I'm not worthy to be given the office of the prophet. But God sees and knows and has a plan and he helps them. You know, guys, you know this, that when Paul was an unbeliever, how do you guys know that he probably considered himself to be a chief sinner? He was like the man. He sinned. He did it all. He did well. He persecuted well. He killed people well. Like he was the man, right? But now as a believer, he considered himself to be on the bottom, to be less than the least. And I love this statement right here. The lowest in God's kingdom is a promotion from the best of Satan's. That, I was like, wow. Okay, I will take the lowest in God's rank because it is better than anything that Satan has for me any day. Any day. Whatever that means, God, whatever that looks like, I will humble, slap me down, humble me, remind me that I am not all that. <laughs> right? Love it. The lowest in God's kingdom is a promotion from the best of Satan's. And so we see that Paul is humbled to be given by God this privilege of pretty much preaching, of sharing this mystery, of preaching, of teaching, of writing out this word. Guys, you know, let me just encourage you. If you want to be used by God, don't promote yourself, whether it be here in the church or even if it's in your workplace. You know, if you have a choice between the high road and the low road, take the low road. And let me tell you why. Let's look at David for a moment. In the Old, you know, in the Old Testament, he was a shepherd, right? Samuel didn't know where he, where he was, but God found him, did he not? He leaded him to him at the right time for the purpose that he had for his life. When, God, when David humbled himself is then when we often see that that promotion comes. And right here in 1 Peter 5, 6, it says, If you will humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you in due time. It doesn't say immediately. It doesn't say tomorrow. It says in what? Due time. Let me tell you, sometimes we think we know when due time is. <laughs> we don't. Let due time, let God tell you when the due time is. All right? We want to rush the process. We want to make things happen sometimes. Just let the Lord do it. Be faithful to serve. Humble yourself. Give him your best. He's not going to overlook you. He knows what he has for you at the right season, at the right time, and just keep yourself humbled before the Lord. And I really think that that's what Paul did, and he shows that through his life right there. Um, Guys, another example of this that Jesus actually told his his disciples, um, remember this when they were invited to a wedding, and he's like, don't take the upper seats because someone more prominent um, may that seat might be reserved for them, even though it doesn't say reserved, right? He's like, don't take the high seat, take take the lower seat. And so then if that host is like, oh, and let's read it right here in Matthew 10, 14, 10, 11. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And so this is just another example, guys. Let's be faithful with the little things, um, and let's just be faithful. And as we are, the Lord will give us more. And we know that through Matthew 25. Um, right here it says that the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. 
You have been faithful in handing a small, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And guys, we just see time and time again is that we just manage well. As we steward well what he's given us, he makes a way for more in his timing. And he also knows your capacity of what you can and cannot do. Um, so guys, how do you know that Paul had a big job? Agreed? Paul had a big job. Verse 9. Right here, let's read it. It said, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages was hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. Let's look at this in the New Living Translation. It says, I was chosen to explain to everyone the mysterious plan that God, the mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. That's a pretty big deal. That's a big responsibility. But I love this. Get this, guys. And it's something that Rob talked about. Before all the dispensations began, God already knew the mystery. He knew everything that was going to take place. It was hidden from the people of the Old Testament, but it wasn't hidden from God. He knew. And so part of Paul's ministry was not only to preach among the Gentiles these unsearchable riches of Christ, but it was also to make them see the importance of the time period that they were currently living in. Such a time as this. You've heard that expression, right? It's an important time for you right now because you're living in it <laughs> as a believer, right? Okay, so number one was the revelation of num the mystery. Number two is the mystery described. Number three was Paul's presentation of the mystery. And then let's wrap it up right here with the purpose of the mystery. <clears throat> So let's read this, verse 10 and through 12, <clears throat> if I have any voice left. All right, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. Who's the church? You and I. To the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Hmm, we're going to hit this in a minute according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So let's look at um, verse 10 in the New Living Translation. It said, God's purpose in all this was to use the church, you and I, to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. What does that mean? The unseen rulers and authority in heavenly places. So, guys, God doesn't come down and tell the devil how smart he is. He isn't like, hmm, I've been keeping this in my back pocket all along, does he? No, there's no mention of God speaking of what happened. God had a secret from the foundation of the world before all ages began. And we, guys, we know that after the fall of Lucifer, when evil was found in heaven and earth, that God had a plan which was hidden for a day to come when every believer would be able to show on earth God's manifold wisdom. So what am I saying? Guys, when Jesus arose from the dead, he gave all authority back to the church, you and I, in his name. 
When a believer uses the name of Jesus, all hell comes to a halt. God is glorified and the devil is humiliated. I kind of look at it this way. God smiles at Satan because we show forth his wisdom by making that plan known in our words and our actions every single day. That's big. Let it think. Think on it a minute. Now, to add to that, we, as humans, are inferior creatures to angels. Right here in Psalm 8, 5, it says, Yet ye made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. And then in Hebrews 2, 7, it says, Yet for a little while you made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. And then of whom Satan was a leader. Let's look at this, Ezekiel 28, 14. It says, I ordained and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian. You had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. So here's what I want you to catch. We are inferior by creation, but through the new birth, we are superior by position. That's big. We are superior by position. So what is so humiliating to Satan is to be stopped through the authority of an inferior creature called man. You can stop Satan. Okay, you cannot stop Satan in your name. I can't be like, stop in the name of Shauna. And then be like, ooh, okay, right? It doesn't work that way. Where's the power come? In Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, you can cast out devils. You can speak with new tongues. You can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. That is the purpose of the mystery which was hidden in the heart of God to empower us, to have victory over the enemy. So now can you see it? why it's so important for Paul to get this truth out to the believers and for us today? It's a big deal. All right, verse 11 and 12. It says, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. In the New Living Translation, it reads this way. It says, this was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. That's exciting. There's no fear. There's no trembling. We still have that honor and respect, but we can come boldly because of what Jesus has done for us. So, guys, the mystery was planned between God and the Lord Jesus in eternity past. And so this takes us back, you know, it takes us back to the council at the halls of eternity where God planned redemption before the foundations of the world. But look at what verse 12 says, that we have boldness and confidence in Christ to approach the throne of God. And how do we do that? Through faith from him, right? Our faith comes from the Lord. Acts 3.16, it says, through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed and you now have, this man was healed and you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. And then Ephesians 2.8, it said, God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is 
a gift of God. And so once again, I believe that this faith that he gave us is also boldness to access the throne of God, which is actually going to take us into next week when we talk about prayer. All right. Um, So I'm going to ask our worship team to come up. And as they're doing that, how many of you guys learned something this morning? Okay. Did some of you learn? Okay. Let me ask this question. Who knows what a dispensation is now? Okay, so hopefully that made clear. It's like a certain amount, a specific time where God spoke in a certain way, but we always approach God how? By faith, right? And so what was the mystery that was made known? The mystery was that Jesus had came, and with that, what we could bring, and then all those six things we listed plus a whole lot more that we can have as well, right? So... I'm going to ask you guys to stand for a moment, and I'm going to actually ask you to close your eyes. And I'm going to read this passage from the Passion Translation, because I love how it puts it, and I think it kind of just puts everything um, into context of what we've learned today. So if you guys will just close your eyes, and the team can just play in the background. But just think on this, and as I read it, just say, Lord, what are you saying to me? It says, Beloved friends, Because of my love for Jesus Christ, I am now his prisoner for the sake of all of you who are not Jews, so that you will hear the gospel that God has entrusted to me to share with you. For this wonderful mystery, which I briefly described, was given to me by divine revelation, so that whenever you read it, you will be able to understand my revelation and insight into the secret mystery of the Messiah. There has never been a generation that has been given the detailed understanding of the glorious and divine mystery until now. He kept it a secret until this generation. God is revealing it only now to his sacred apostle and prophets by the Holy Spirit. And here's the secret. The gospel of grace has made you, non-Jewish believers, into co-heirs of his promise through your union with him. And you have now become members of his body, one with the anointed one. I have been made a messenger of this wonderful news by the gift of grace that works through me. Even though I am the least significant of all his holy believers, this grace gift was imparted when the manifestation of his power came upon me. Grace alone empowers me so that I can boldly preach this wonderful message to the non-Jewish people sharing with them the unfading, inexhaustible riches of Christ, which are beyond comprehension. My passion is to enlighten every person to this divine mystery. It was hidden for ages past until now and kept a secret in the heart of God, the creator of all. The purpose of this was to unveil before every throne and rank of angelic orders in the heavenly realm God's full and diverse wisdom revealed through the church. This perfectly wise plan was destined from eternal ages and fulfilled completely in our Lord Jesus Christ so that now we have boldness through him and free access as kings before the Father because of our complete confidence in Christ's faithfulness. Guys, this mystery is a great thing for both you and I. This current dispensation that we live in, this church age, God made a way for us to speak to him through the saving grace of Jesus. 
And so let me ask you guys a question right now. You know, I mentioned earlier about how it's important to know the teachings of a fraternity. But I wanna ask you this morning, have you become a member of the body of Christ? Is there anyone in here that says, you know what? I want to make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. I wanna be a part of that promise. I wanna be a part of all those things that we've talked about. If that's you right now, I just wanna encourage you to just lift up your hand. Even if you're at home, you can lift up your hand. And I just encourage you, all of you, all that raise your hand or even those that are at home watching, I just encourage you to pray something like this. Lord, I thank you that you made a way. I thank you that before time ever was, that you made a way, that you made a plan so that I could be a part of your kingdom, that I could spend eternity with you. And so I just repent, which means I just say, I'm sorry. I know I'm not perfect, but Lord, I need you. I repent of all my sins, of all my ways of doing things on my own. I thank you that your Holy Spirit has revealed to me that I need you, that I need you more than ever. And so I ask you to fill me now in Jesus' name. And I'm gonna encourage all of y'all that are still here, just close your eyes a moment and ask the Lord this. Lord, what are you speaking to me? From this message, what, what are you speaking to me right now? Is it that I need to share that mystery with others? Is it that I need to have a better understanding of who you are? Is it that I need to humble myself so that maybe because you have more for me? Do I need to serve well where I'm at? Do I, do I need that boldness and confidence to come to your throne? Holy Spirit, I pray that you speak to every single person right now exactly what you would have for me. Lord, I pray not one person will walk away from this message with, eh, there was no point in that. But Holy Spirit, that you bring truth, that you bring hope, and that you bring life, and that you bring encouragement to every single person right now. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.